Hello world and welcome to the Overtone Warp Zone. This podcast is for people who enjoy games, love music, and want to know more about how their favorite songs work. Each episode will focus on some pieces of music from the video game corpus and talk about one musical concept found in those pieces. In our first season, we're diving deep into the score of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm Dan Bergman, and let's get started. When the first Smash Bros. game for the N64 came out in 1999, there was one stage for each of the starting characters, eight in total, plus one that could be unlocked. In Smash Ultimate, not counting any downloadable content, there are a whopping 103 playable stages, each with a Final Destination and Battlefield version as well. That's more than twice the number of stages without DLC than there is in Smash for Wii U. Some of the franchises naturally have more representation than others. The Mario series has the most stages at a total of 20, while other franchises only have one, such as Bayonetta and Game & Watch. Almost all the stages are related to a playable character in some way or another, or at least are peripherally related. The PictoChat and Nintendog stages, for example, might be considered part of the Mii universe. There's one franchise that stands out from the others though, and might leave you scratching your head as to why it was so important to have a stage included. Here's one of two songs written for the stage, Hannonbow. The name of the song is Electroplankton, which is the universe that Hannonbow is from. This is a Smash Ultimate arrangement by Noriyuki Iwadare. Have a listen. Electroplankton was released in Japan in 2005, coming to the West a year later. The full game is less of a game really, since there's no set objective, but more a series of musical toys. Ten in total, which you can now purchase separately on the 3DS shop channel. In each toy, players manipulate the movement of the plankton, which produces a musical effect. In one, for example, you trace lines for the plankton to follow as they play piano sounds. In another, you twirl your stylus around the tiny creatures to produce synth pads, and another plays 8-bit sounds when they're tapped. The second of Electroplankton's toys, Hannonbow, is where the Smash stage originates from, which we saw first in Smash Bros. Brawl. 
The player can change the angles of the leaves on the stage, which the plankton bounce off of to create a xylophone-like sound. Here's some audio I recorded myself from the game Electroplankton, Hannonbow. When I looked it up, the game seemed to have fairly positive ratings, but there were two big criticisms. One is that there was no interactivity between the different types of plankton, and the second is that there was no way to save any of your musical creations to listen to later. The director of the game, Toshio Iwai, is primarily an artist who creates interactive art installations centered around music, so perhaps electroplankton can be considered a handheld version of those. In fact, Mystery Y has two other published games in the West, each released about a decade apart prior to Electroplankton, which are also interactive music games. The song we listened to at the start of the show is the ultimate remix of the song, which features sounds from the minigames Hannonbow, Luminaria, Lumaloop, and finally Beatness, where, when you open it up, the default song is the invincibility theme from Super Mario Bros. But this ultimate remix is not the original track to the stage as seen in Brawl, Here's that original tune, also called Electroplankton, whose composition and arrangement is credited to both Toshio Iwai and Nintendo. some riveting smash em up music. If you've played this stage, you probably know that when you hit a leaf, the angles change and the plankton make different sounds when they hit them, just like the game the stage is based on. What you're listening to now is how the song appears in the sound test menu. I'm going to play for you what the stage with this music sounds like when you're actually playing and the plankton are hopping from leaf to leaf. Try your best to ignore the fighting in the background as my boy Piranha Plant lays the herd on King K. Rule here and just listen to the music. As you play the Smash Bros stage, you likely aren't concentrating on the beautiful music that you're creating. More on winning the game. 
Therefore, the changes to the patterns of the notes that you and your opponents create are more or less done randomly. This leads us to our musical concept. Aleatoric music! Aleatoric is a fancy and arguably pretentious way of saying chance music, from the Latin alia, meaning dice. Now, what do we mean by chance music exactly? Essentially, this is a piece of music whose elements were composed to some degree randomly, whether that be at the level of composition or the level of performing. And that's all there is to it, really. Thanks for listening. Seriously though, this is one of those cases where I'm going to find it easier to provide examples of a thing rather than carefully define it. I polled some musician friends of mine about examples of aleatoric music, and they came up with some great examples. A quick note, I wouldn't necessarily include improvised music under this category per se, such as when soloists improvise in a jazz standard. While it's true that those performances are likely never the same twice, the music is still, in a sense, determinate, since the soloists play in a fairly orderly manner. Even as I'm saying this, though, I suppose a different case could be made, but I digress. One of the earliest examples of aleatoric music, though the term didn't exist yet, was in the 18th century when there was a fad of making dice games to compose waltzes. Stephen Hedges, a modern musicologist who wrote about these games, said, The gallant middle class in Europe was playing with mathematics. In this atmosphere of investigation and cataloging, a systematic device that would seem to make it possible for anyone to write music was practically guaranteed popularity. One such game could have even been written by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart himself. In his score, the player rolls two dice, consults a grid, and chooses the appropriate bar of the possible 176 bars of music listed, and after 16 rolls of the dice, the player has a full waltz. As I've been describing this game to you, we've been listening to one such random waltz composition that I created, using a program I downloaded that will compose your waltz randomly and play it back on MIDI, taking from the exact version of the game I described to you. If you want to try this yourself, the link is in the show notes. Another example of aleatoric music is Birds on the Wire, composed by Yarbis Agnelli. This Brazilian composer opened the newspaper one morning to see a picture of five rows of electric wires with 38 birds on them. Being a musician, Agnelli slapped a treble clef at the beginning of the wires, and suddenly the birds were noteheads on a musical staff, all in the notes F, A, C, E, and G, the notes on the spaces. This is the song that came out of that. While our previous example has random elements in the composition process, the piece 25 Pages by Earl Brown has random elements in the performance process. The piece is literally composed on 25 pages, which can be played in any order, and each page can even be played right side up or upside down. The order of pages could in theory be decided ahead of time, or randomly shuffled before the performance.
There are all kinds of other ways that you could randomly compose or perform a song. Georgi Leggetti composed a piece for 100 slightly out-of-time metronomes. Terry Riley composed a piece consisting of 53 musical phrases that a group of around 35 musicians individually moved through at their own pace. A person could roll dice, draw cards, or use random generated numbers via a computer to determine any element of a composition, such as note duration, pitch, instrumentation, form, temper, timbre, and I could go on and on. What do you think? Is there a benefit to adding the element of chance into composition or performance of music? Or is this a fad of the bored musical elite that will remain in obscurity? Either way, the reason for the inclusion of Hannenbo as a Smash Bros stage remains, to me, a mystery. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any comments or suggestions for a piece of music or a musical concept, you can contact me at overtonewarpzone at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media everywhere at OTWZ Podcast. Until next time, keep playing. <laughs>